0: With the resumption of moon missions and plans to launch people to Mars, sustaining life and good health in space, and for a long time, is becoming a greater federal priority. Now a new interagency agreement between NASA and Health and Human Services will bring greater cooperation on research. Joining me in studio is Dr. Craig Kundrat, Director of Space, Life, and Physical Sciences Research at NASA. And joining me by phone is Dr. Christopher Austin, Director of the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences at the NIH. Good to have you both here.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Let's start with you, Dr. Kundro. Tell us a little bit of background, because I guess cooperation and research between NASA and HHS didn't start last week.
2: That's correct. At NASA, cooperation, interagency cooperation goes back to our, our founding, where we worked a great deal with the Air Force in particular. But in the shuttle era is when we really started working a lot with the National Institutes of Health. And uh, that was mostly in the 90s. And coming into the 2000s, as we were building Space Station, we had a lot of grassroots activity going on in in pockets, but not really any top-level coordination.
0: But it sounds like it was driven by the
2: idea of the longer people are up there, the more that can happen. Right. And in, in particular for NASA in 2004, when we set our sights on Mars as the horizon destination, uh, a lot more focus went into uh, mitigating, identifying, and mitigating the risks to the, the the crew, both from a health perspective and performance, because we want them not just to survive but to thrive.
0: Sure. And Dr. Austin, what does NIH and HHS writ large bring to all of this?
1: Well, it's important to say first of all that that though we're certainly interested in the health of astronauts, our mission is, of course, health of people here on Earth. And and what we've uh, come to really appreciate is that uh, those two are highly related because what happens to astronauts in microgravity and other environments related to space uh, can give us insights into prevalent diseases that affect many many people on Earth that we simply cannot make we can't we we cannot get those insights um, uh, in other ways and by. Uh, by um, going to space, we can discover things that uh, are going to benefit people here on Earth,
0: too. Okay, so there is a new interagency agreement that has been signed between HHS and NASA. So, Dr. Kundra, we'll start with you. What is new here? What's different?
2: Well, this is a top-down, if you will, way of coordinating across the agencies. So, like I said before, there are a lot of grassroots activity, but there's a lot of uh, siloing going on. And this is one way to break down the silos is to have top-level communication between NASA and HHS agencies and uh, understand what each is doing and see where we have areas where we can work together. And Chris, I imagine
0: there are a lot lot of different pieces of NIH and HHS that can really become involved here.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the important thing to to say, you know, as as Craig mentioned, um, the relationship between NIH and, and NASA goes back a long, long time. Our first MOU was signed in 1988. And since then, there have been three other MOUs in 9207 07, and 17. And that most recent MOU in 2017 uh, emphasized closer uh, cooperation, collaboration uh, between NIH and NIH grantees and the really remarkable resources that NASA has uh, both uh, on Earth and in space. And and that led to um, uh, the the NCATS, my center, uh, forming a trans-NIH group that now has 22 uh, NIH institutes. There are 27 altogether. So uh, almost every institute at the NIH has interests in working with NASA, um, either on the space station or uh, here on Earth. And and that uh, the success of that collaboration, um, which also included um, other aspects of the of the federal government, including the the White House uh, Office of uh, Science and Technology Policy, the National Space Council, uh, and brought in the International Space Station National Lab, that led uh, Will Brady, who is the Associate Deputy Secretary of HHS, to realize, well, gosh, you know. NIH is doing all this uh, uh, great stuff to advance its mission. Um, uh, working with NASA, why don't we bring in all the other optives at hhs too? And that's that's really where the the IAA came from.
0: We're speaking with Dr. Chris Austin, Director of the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences at the NIH, and Dr. Craig Kundratt, Director of Space Life and Physical Sciences Research at NASA. And as you mentioned, a lot of the research is done by grantees. So how does that work? Because some of the research is under NASA money, some of it is under NIH money, how do you coordinate among yeah. the grantees? Chris?
1: The first thing to say, which, which I think your listeners really uh, need to hear, because it's I think it's a general, Craig and I both think this is a general lesson for all of us, that that the reason this is a great collaboration is that it allows each of our agencies to do together what would be impossible for either of us alone. And thus, and we are uh, uh, advancing our own agency's missions individually, and we're advancing uh, the health of all American people, whether here or in space, in ways that are really important. Uh, uh, and, and we do that because we, we, sh- we can do that because we share a common vision, but we also share how complementary we are. And I'll give you an example. One of the projects we're doing uh, now uh, is the – something called Tissue Chips in Space, which you may have heard about, and Craig can tell you about it, where we're putting little uh, miniature organs up on the uh, International Space Station to learn about uh, muscle loss and bone loss and immune system aging, which all of which happen, uh, of course, to humans here on Earth, but happen in a very accelerated way to, uh, to astronauts and uh, and and for each of those uh we have multiple grantees dozens of grantees all over the country and we work very closely with them and with NASA and with uh, CASES at the International, the, uh, International sure. Space Station National Lab. Uh, and, and so we work as one big, giant team. And the funding is is, is shared. Um, we we pay the, the funds for the grantees. Uh, and uh, uh, CASES, in this case, uh, pays for all the
2: launch costs. And, Craig, what are some of the other specific issues to be studied here? Well, radiation is one of our big challenges, and so there's a lot of interagency uh, cooperation on that front within the NIH. The National Cancer Institute's a, a big player, but other agencies like uh, BARDA, Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, and uh, FDA are we're doing joint research uh, together or holding workshops and exchanging ideas, et cetera, because uh, that's one of the big challenges we have on space, and and it's also a, 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 an earth related uh, challenge as well. And
0: I spoke to a NASA scientist a couple of weeks ago in relation to the Mars rover program, and one of the dreams for that is for the next round of rovers to go up there, dig up materials, and someday, sometime in the future, bring them back to Earth in canisters. And so the danger there is they might have microbes we don't know about. When stuff comes back from space, does whatever is crawling or living in it or among it, does that get baked into the
2: research for how it might affect humans? Yeah, so that, that's uh, another aspect that NASA is concerned about. And that falls under the general category of what's called planetary protection. Uh, so that's a very nice title. Uh, and, and that's what we call back contamination. And that's one of the things that we want to talk about with uh, CDC when we visit them in, in April. We're, we're having a, a joint meeting. And that's one of the, the aspects because they are very wise about matters of containment and detection and, and the rest. And we're also concerned about, say, the, the, the case where the crew gets sick on a return journey from Mars how do we make sure that's just a normal terrestrial uh, malady versus something they picked up? Or I guess we could bring things to distant places that we don't want to introduce into that environment. Exactly. And that's called forward contamination. That's where we're like pig pen in the Peanuts cartoon, uh, where our DNA and whatnot is being uh, spread about. And we want to minimize that. Chris, what's going to happen in the short term under this new agreement?
1: Well, what's really exciting is that Craig and I are are doing a a bit of a world tour. Uh, we may actually make T-shirts uh, with all of our visits to all the uh, HHS uh, optives. Uh, we've uh, met already with the uh, with the FDA, who have a great interest in this, given the uh, the needs for uh, astronauts in space, particularly going to Mars, to potentially have to make their own medicines on the way to Mars. It's kind of a remarkable think thought. Um, with CDC, we've already talked about that. There's also a lot of interest in the so-called microbiome of uh, of both uh, the, the space station and a vehicle going to, to Mars. That's That will be a, a first time such uh, microbiomes of individuals have been mixed together. Um, so CDC is interested in that. We've been talking to the HHS Office of Global Affairs, to the uh, the office of the chief technology officer i would say one of the most interesting discussions we've had and surprisingly so i think to all of us was with the administration for community living who is probably a little less well known hhs optive but they have a very important function in thinking about how do we how do we help uh, particularly older americans of of whom uh, many of us are reaching that age uh, ha- uh, 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 age well given uh, uh, proper communities and one of the big problems here uh, which they 're finding you may have heard about is, is an increasing problem of loneliness and isolation and of course, this would be a huge problem, as Craig can speak to uh, in in a in a trip to in a trip to Mars. So I think the, the way to think about this and the way we biomedical scientists think about this is that we can learn about disease and how to treat disease on Earth by putting Uh, either astronauts or um, uh, experimental systems um, uh, into that environment. And because of those novel environments, we can learn, um, those extreme environments, we can learn things that are applicable to, uh, to what's going on here on Earth in ways that we otherwise couldn't.
0: And Craig, I guess the psychological, mental aspects of health are also part of this, as as Chris mentioned, because you've got these long flights.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, the the, the notion, the typical notion for a Mars mission, it would take six months to get there. One would be on the surface for 18 months and then a six-month return for a total of 30 months. So that's a long time to be isolated from folks back on Earth. And at its worst, it'll take 20 minutes for one-way communication. So normal communication with mission control and your loved ones will not be possible. So we need to find ways to overcome that isolation and, and detect if there's a problem developing. I guess someday we'll live happily ever after in yurts on Mars, perhaps. Dr. Craig
0: Kundratt is Director of Space Life and Physical Sciences Research at NASA. Dr. Chris Austin, Director of the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences at NIH. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Find a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Listen to the Federal Drive on demand and on your own device from Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought
2: to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you've entered their contact details correctly. And finally. If you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.
1: When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on and you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.